everybody. It is Christine Garvin, and welcome to the 2019 Hormone Summit. I hope you've been enjoying our interviews so far. We've had some amazing interviews before today, and then today I'm really, really excited about who I'm talking with because she is so beyond knowledgeable about so many things when it comes to hormones, but specifically she really understands functional lab testing, which is uh, such a useful tool when you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on with your hormones. So her name is Robin Rendisi, and she's actually located in New York, and she sees clients um, both online and in person, and her specialty is really uh, helping women in their 20s and 30s with period problems and pelvic pain and autoimmune conditions. And she does this from a functional approach. Um, she is really incredible to work with, so I highly recommend contacting her. And we're going to dive into her special, one of her specializations today, which is, as I mentioned, functional lab testing. So welcome, Robin. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, what, a, so what a lovely introduction. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here and, and talking to us about this because I really do think it's so important um, that a lot of women don't even understand that there's lab testing for their hormones because I feel like their doctors don't bring that up to them, you know, or um, if they do, it's kind of like it's just part of this regular test that they do, and they don't. They're like, "Oh, everything's fine. Everything's you know in the range or whatever." And yet, women are having all of these issues. So, you know, what? Tell me about lab testing and really how it can help women. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's really important to, in order to fix something, I think you have to know what's going on. And so that's where lab testing comes in. I don't think it's the be all end all of everything because you have to take someone's symptoms and context into the bigger picture when you're approaching a plan for them. But gosh, it can be so useful to see on paper what's going on. Um, and also sometimes for, for certain people, for them, for their motivation, for their own understanding, seeing, seeing results on paper can be really helpful. Um, so, I mean, I can tell you a little bit about the different kinds of testing options for hormones or how I use it, you know, in my practice, but, um, did that answer, did that answer yeah, the question? Yeah. Answer, <laughs> well, and yeah, and I think that I, I'm glad you brought up that point that, you know, seeing things on paper can be really helpful for us sometimes because otherwise it's just this, you know, this idea and we don't necessarily want to make big changes in our lives if it's just this idea, right? And so when you have that concrete information, you're like, okay, so now I got I to gotta, you know, make some shifts and changes. So yes, I would love to hear about if you can tell us all about the different types of lab testing and you know, what you use and find in your practice. Sure. Um, yeah, I just think I want to reiterate that was a really good point. It makes this abstract co concept of hormones and hormone balance a lot more concrete for people. So that's pretty useful. Um, so there's three main ways to test your hormones. If we're talking about sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone, which is what I'm going to assume, you know, most people are here for. Yeah. Um, and that's blood, urine and saliva. So I can kind of mention a few things about each of those. Most people are probably um, familiar with blood, you know, serum testing. 
And that's what you would get at your conventional doctor. This is the most commonly run way to com commonly run test for hormones. Um, so it does have some drawbacks, uh, but that's probably what most people are used to getting. And do you want me to kind of go through the sort of pros and cons of each? Or? I would love that. Okay. I think it would be really, really helpful for a lot of people to understand that. Okay, so while I'm talking about testing your hormones through blood, I'll just mention like the pros are you can get at your doctor's office, probably covered by insurance, and those are not nothing to sniff at. Like that's pretty nice. Um, but it measures the total production of the hormone. So that can be good if you want to know total production, but what it doesn't tell us is what the free bioavailable hormone is, like how much is floating around in your bloodstream that's actually available to bind to the receptor sites. So instead, it's measuring everything that's bound to a um, protein, which is how hormones get around in the blood. Um, so, you know, you could have a situation where potentially you have hormone testing that looks normal, but um, the free levels are actually low and that's where your symptoms coming from. So that can be one of those, just a simple scenario where your doctor's like, you're fine, your levels are fine. And you're like, but why am I still having symptoms? Mm -hmm. So that can, can be- a quick question before yeah. you- so I know um, this has happened in my personal experience with clients where the doctor either won't understand that they need to test on certain days or like, for instance, this just happened with a client. They tested her estrogen on day three and then her progesterone on day 21. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think her FSH and, but, and then they didn't test <laughs> testosterone or anything. So anyways, what, what happens in those situations? Yeah, so in order to get an accurate assessment of, of what that what uh, serum test is looking for, you do have to do, you have to know what you're testing for and you have to know where you are in your cycle and what day it would be good to do that. So yes, so like estrogen and FSH, that's a, that's a pituitary hormone that talks to your ovaries and tells it to start ensuring follicles um, and then those follicles are producing estrogen. So those two things are usually measured day three and then to you know, you, you have very low progesterone in the first half of your cycle. It doesn't really make sense to measure it then if you want to get an idea of what's going on. So we usually wait till mid-luteal phase, like the second half of your cycle, right in the middle there. Um, and that would be an appropriate time to measure progesterone. So yeah, that could be a kind of a con of the test. You really have to know, um, was this done on the right day? And I've had the same thing with clients. And I'm like, what, well, well, you got this test done and your progesterone's like, nothing what day of your cycle was it mm -hmm. and they are like i don't know and i was like well did your doctor ask you no so it's if you guys if you don't know where you are in your cycle then we can't really do much with the you know with the value so right. there's that piece of it too um and i yeah it's kind of always surprising to me when when people order blood work like through their doctor and that's not taken into account so Right. Yeah. Would you recommend that they'd also do estrogen at the same time they did progesterone, you know, days 19 through 21 to see what the ratio looks like between the two of them? Yeah, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it really depends what your doctor is open to ordering for you and what's going, like what's going on. So that's another way people do it. Um, ideally you could have both. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, in a super ideal world, you could have your whole cycle, but who's going to go in like every other day and get their blood drawn <laughs> from one period until their next period starts. Yeah. Um, but luckily we have these other forms of testing where you can kind of map out the whole cycle and you can look at different variations of the hormones in your body. So, um, 
that maybe this is a good segue to move into the saliva and yeah. urine testing, which are the other options. And those are pretty common in the functional medicine world. So you might come across those if you're working with a more integrative or holistic practitioner. Um, so in saliva, we're measuring the free and bioavailable hormones as opposed to the protein-bound ones. So that can be really useful. Um, you know, because like I said, uh, we we care about total production, but we we also care, and some you know depending on what's going on, we might care more about what's available to actually exert an effect on the body. Mm -hmm. um, and that would typically measure estradiol, which is the main form, you know, the most potent form of estrogen, uh, progesterone, testosterone, and sometimes things like DHEA and DHEAS. So it gives you uh, somewhat different information from a blood test. And it's also, I think a lot of the pros of it are that you can do it as a cycle mapping test. So you could potentially collect saliva throughout your whole cycle. And then you can get a really nice map of is your, is your estrogen peaking at the right time? Is your progesterone peaking at the right time? How are they in, working in concert with each other? Like, like you're saying, the ratios are very important. Um, and does your progesterone stay nice and sustained through the end of your luteal phase, which is kind of... When we see it drop off too soon, uh, that's when you get a lot of PMS symptoms. You know, all these things we work with all the time with our clients. Mm -hmm. um, so I do like uh, salivary panels for that. And, you know, they're super easy. They're not invasive like a blood test. You do them at home. Um, maybe if I was trying to think of a downside, you know, they can't really measure as many things as blood can. So like in blood, you can measure other factors that are going to affect your hormones, like upstream factors, like do you have enough iron? How's your thyroid doing? Uh, what's your, what are your pituitary hormones doing, like FSH and LH, because those are important too. Mm -hmm. um, so you, can't really, you don't really measure those in saliva um, very often. There's one test that can measure LH and FSH, I think, by diagnostics. But otherwise, the rest have to be done in um, blood that I mentioned. So... Um, what would be um, another downside? Oh, maybe the cost. You're not, you know, insurance is not going to cover these. Right. So, you know, you're typically paying out of pocket, and that can be something like 120 to $300, depending on if you're doing a one-day sample or, um, you know, the whole, the whole cycle. Um, but it is nice that they can also measure cortisol. So if you do samples throughout a day, if you combine, like, an adrenal salivary panel with a hormone, uh, the sex hormone panel, then you can see what your cortisol is doing, get a reflection of the HPA axis and how your cortisol rhythm is throughout the day. And we just, we know that those, those things affect our hormones and our cycles so much. So I like to see those both. And I think that's really a strength of doing salivary testing. And then urine testing, specifically, I'm going to talk about dried urine testing. There is another type of urine testing where you do a 24-hour collection of your total urine production. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just, I don't know anyone who really does that or uses it. <laughs> What's far more common is um, to use the Dutch test, mm -hmm. which I know you're a fan of too. Uh, and that's a dried urine test. So you pee on a strip of paper um, and it's it measuring all kinds of stuff. You get so much good info from it. And it's, again, it's super easy to collect at home, um, like the saliva. Unlike the saliva, you know, you just let the paper dry and it's not super time sensitive. You don't need to freeze it. So in a lot of ways, the Dutch is more um, convenient, I would say, although it is a little more expensive. So that's another thing you're going to be paying out of pocket. Um, and the Dutch is accessible, I think, in all 50 states. Like I live in New York State where 
It's very hard to order your own testing if you don't have a provider to do it for you. And the Dutch, because it's dried urine, it doesn't have some of those same restrictions. So anyone can order it anywhere. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that. really nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in addition to giving us a reflection of the free and bioavailable hormones, same as saliva would do, it also gives us a lot of information about how those hormones are being utilized via their metabolites. So how is your body breaking them down and what's happening there? So you get, you just get tons of graphical info. They map it out so well. And you really, I think the strength is you just really get super specific info that you can then use to make a plan. Mm -hmm. You can tailor it so well. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good, I mean, does that in your, does that kind of cover the Dutch test? Yeah, it does. I, mean, I want to um, just go back to because, you know, um, bringing up with the saliva and the Dutch. I, I don't know that everybody understands the connection between cortisol and mm -hmm. your, your sex hormones. Um, and, you know, if you are just doing the blood tests, you're going to miss out on this huge component, right? Um, and so can you explain to people just, I know it's kind of in depth, but just a little bit about how your cortisol impacts these other hormones? Sure. Um, so cortisol is for people who don't know what it is. It's just a stress hormone secreted by your adrenal glands. And when that's chronically elevated or, you know, could also be chronically low, you see kind of both of those scenarios a lot. Uh, your, your HPA axis is, is, is off. And your HPA axis is basically the way that your brain, your, the hypothalamus and pituitary in your brain talk to your adrenals and back and forth. Um, when that's messed up, so is your hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. So there's just no getting around it that, you know, I know the concept of the pregnenolone steel where, where your body diverts um, resources from reproductive re resources to sort of these like stress hormones and fight or flight is kind of controversial. And we're thinking maybe it doesn't work as simply as we used to think, but the, but I still think it's accurate. And tell me if this is your understanding too, to say that when your body's in a stress mode and a fight or flight mode and has been there chronically for a long time, um, it affects your reproductive hormones and decreases your body's ability. I mean, you know, it seals, nutrients that you could otherwise be using to, you know, have a healthy corpus luteum and nice mature follicles and a cushy endometrium lining that's, you know, good for conceiving or not, you know, not giving you heavy periods or fibroids or, you know, all these things. So I guess that's the, that's the way I would explain it um, yeah. in simple, in simple terms, but I'd love to hear if you want to add anything. No, I'm, I'm, I think you did an excellent job. And the reason I brought it up is because I, I think a lot of women still don't quite understand the connection between stress and the impact on their hormones. You know, I mean, in theory, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, you know, stressed out. And so that's going to impact my body, but people don't know the how and the why. And, and so it's kind of like seeing those numbers on paper. I think it's really good for women to understand, okay, this is directly what's happening in your body when you're under stress. And like you said, the pregnenolone steel, I know is up for debate a little bit these days, but I, I agree that there's no, uh, to me, there's no way that it isn't um, uh, impacting our progesterone production, um, you know, over time. Yeah. So, um, and that's where you have so many issues come up like PMS and you know. Yeah. I mean, just one simple example, magnesium, you really burn through magnesium when you're stressed and you need a, you need 
good solid levels of magnesium to have a healthy cycle um, to avoid PMS and, you know, um, to, um, oh, to ovulate regularly, right. you know, which is a problem for so many people just yeah. get to, back to basics. Yeah. So absolutely. even, I think even just thinking about it in those super simple terms, even if you're not, you don't need to understand every biochemical aspect of it, right. I think it's really helpful. Right, exactly. So yeah, thank you so much for covering all of those tests. That's really helpful. So do you tend to sort of favor one? Oh, Oh, One thing I think I didn't say is like for salivary and for urine testing still needs to be done on specific days of your cycle. If you want to measure those sex hormones, if you have, assuming you have a cycle, if you're amenorrhea or if you're postmenopausal, different story. But I just thought maybe I made it sound like blood testing is the only one where you need to do it on a certain day. Right now. I'm glad that you brought that up because that is something um, you definitely don't want to waste your money on something like the Dutch and do it on the wrong day. (laughs) For sure. I absolutely get it. So is there one that you kind of tend to favor in your practice or, you know, are you just kind of open to what women can do, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I like, um, it it depends on the situation, I guess is the easiest way to say it, but I do really like what I love about the Dutch is how easy it is. Mm-hmm. and that they have a cycle mapping option. I do find cycle mapping just so useful. And for me personally, um, collecting saliva, so the thing about the saliva test is you, you can't really, it's not like you're trying to generate saliva, you just have to wait for it to accumulate mm. in order for you to have accurate results. <laughs> and it's kind of a drag. Like, right. I've never thought like if, you're, if you're doing it, okay, so for a one day, you know, for a one day sample or you know, that's not such a big deal. But if you're doing a whole cycle mapping panel every morning for like five minutes being like, okay, a little <laughs> into a tube, you know, yeah. bummer. Yeah. Um, so I love the ease of it. I love the wealth of information you get. Um, just seeing, seeing that, seeing the window into the HPA axis and, and how your cor- what your cortisol production is like, um, how it's being metabolized, meaning like how much is your body actually using and being able to clear and then seeing I can talk a little bit more about like the metabolites of estrogen and the different pathways those can go down um yeah and testosterone too which can be really helpful for ladies with PCOS um so all those things you can kind of take them into account you can get a picture of things that it's not directly measuring like your liver function and your thyroid um so that's kind of the beauty of the Dutch test I would say yeah, I'm glad you brought And I'm talking here about the Dutch Complete. Right. Um, just right. so people who might be wondering, like, which one we're talking about. That's the one that measures your sex hormones and your adrenal hormones. Right. Good point, because there are different options on there. Um, if, if you go to the website, and you'll see those. I'm glad you brought that up about testosterone, though, because I think, you know, knowing your DHE levels, DHEA levels and testosterone is also really important in how the metabolites happen with that, which isn't something that I think every doctor necessarily will think about with um with women you know and so to to understand um because because things like pcos are so common nowadays right um and so to really get a a a bigger picture of what's going on in your body it's really it's really amazing that it's really amazing that dried urine can tell you all this stuff right (laughs) yeah what a world I know. It's, uh, I love it. This is the fun of science these days, right? All the stuff that comes up. Well, I would love for you, since you brought up um, the term cycle mapping um, in, your, in your last answer, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what cycle mapping is all about 
And if you need to do, you know, something like the Dutch in order to do it or you know, other ways that you can do it. Yeah, so when um, you're doing a test and it's a cycle mapping test, that means you're collecting samples throughout your cycle. And usually, it's not usually every day, but it's usually every two or three days, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's a really awesome way for you to see what's happening. Because we, we know, I mean, most people I think are familiar with the fact that our hormones aren't static throughout our cycle, that they fluctuate and they rise and fall at different times. And so you could, when you, when you measure on one day, you're getting a snapshot of that day, right? And uh, maybe you look great on that day, but and that's day 21, but then by day 26, your progesterone's like in the tank. Yeah. Um, or your estrogen to progesterone, you know, your estrogen, estrogen's too high compared to your progesterone or, you know, whatever. So that's where the beauty of the cycle mapping comes in, um, is you get a more complete picture. So, um, and someone's open to doing that. I do like that as an option. I mean, I also think, you know, charting your cycle and, you know, measuring your signs of fertility, your, the primary ones being your basal body temperature and your cervical fluid is basically doing the same thing. Uh, and it's, you know, it's essentially free. So I always call it like the cheapest hormone test there is. And, and to be honest, I guess I should have said this, you know, when you first asked me, what do I what do I do with people? What's my favorite? That's my favorite. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I start with. Um, well, first I start with the foundations because I consider hormones more of a downstream um, effect of these foundations, these upstream foundational things being out of whack. And that's things like sleep, stress, diet, digestion, um, those sort of core elements of like, do you even have the nutrients to make? Are you even absorbing them? Right. Really? Like, there's your no whole lot, yeah. testing until we figure this part out. Yeah. So just to clarify for people, I know it's super fun to get test results and I, you know, it's, it's really attractive. And especially if you've tried a lot of things to like, Ooh, now you can try this Dutch test. But I really always like to put the brakes on that and say, let's, let's talk about what you've done, what we could do so that when we do, if we do want to do a test, if you do want to go down that route, you're going to get the most useful information you can without all the background noise. Um, and so tracking your cycle though is something you can start doing right away whenever. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, like we said, just taking your temperature every morning and tracking your cervical fluid every day. And if you, if you have a cycle or if you have irregular cycles, if you have any symptoms, it can just be so useful. You can get a wealth of information about how your hormones are doing. And, and, you know, just from that, I mean, the number, the number one thing and stop me if you <laughs> If I'm going on too long. Yeah. But the number one thing we usually need to know first is, are you ovulating? Right. You're not right. going to measure your progesterone, you know, if you're right. not ovulating. Yeah. Like, you know exactly. that you don't have very much. Yeah. Um, and that can be answered very simply um, with, you know, charting your cycle, taking your temperatures. So can we walk through people through that? Because I know not everybody understands that process. And they're like, okay, I got to take my temperature. But like, what is going to happen? So if you want to take people through that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So typically we think of it in terms of fertility, people trying to determine, am I fertile or am I not? And they're using it for birth control purposes or for um, the conception purposes, like trying to time, um, you know, time things so that they can get pregnant in a speedy fashion. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I'm, what I'm trying to do is make the argument that you can use the same technique for for health purposes for health insights and what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis is you get a basal body temperature thermometer which is different from a regular thermometer 
Uh, it's a little more sensitive. And you take your temperature every morning, ideally at the same time every morning, and then you, you note your temperature through your whole cycle. And then the other primary thing that I ask people to do, or I think is really important to do, um, because it gives great insights about your estrogen levels, is to track your cervical fluid. Mm -hmm. So for people you know, who don't know what that is, it's just really um, secretions from your cervix that give an indication of how fertile or not you are. So you know, sperm will survive better in a fertile type cervical fluid and, and not so great in a not fertile type. And that just is a range from drier, stickier cervical fluid um, that might leave it like a residue in your underwear to more stretchy, wet cervical fluid um, that you'll, you might notice uh, when you wipe, like on toilet paper. And so just these things that, you know, I think many of us took for granted as like, oh, why do I have a yeast infection now? Like, what's this? Like, I hear people call it discharge is, all the time. That is literally what I thought for years. Like, I know, yeah, I just, me too. I'd had some yeast issues when I was younger, and I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, and then literally when I figured that out, <laughs> cervical fluid, I was like, yeah, like just just to know what what is normal yeah. in general and then what is normal for you is, is so empowering I mean uh -huh. what I love about charting your cycle in this method is that it connects you connects you directly to your body and to, into understanding your body in a way that like nothing else in my experience has and you know taking this thing our cycle which a lot of us have come to have really negative feelings about if we have things like pelvic pain or period problems or you know it's irregular we can't we, you know, we never know when it's going to come. Taking that and shifting it into an empowering uh, mindset or uh, approach to dealing with it is just, just literally life-changing. Like, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that. Um, I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of women, you know, and I, and I just say that um, in a wonderful, loving way, is that we are, you know, disconnected from our bodies because there's been so much that has gotten in our way, you know, and has purposefully disconnected us from our bodies. But, you know, there's, we hold so much trauma, particularly, you know, in our reproductive area. And to do something like, you know, charting your cycle and following your cycle really does start to build that trust. So it's not just on this sort of physical level where you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I see this happening. I really think it can heal people on emotional levels and, you know, even spiritual levels too. So it's, it's a pretty profound tool that, that we have at our disposal that, you know, I, I know when I first heard about it, I was like, eh. And then when I finally did it, I was like, wow, this really is so cool, you know? So I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I got into it because I was looking for like quote unquote natural birth control. And I was like, I knew I didn't want to take synthetic hormones and I didn't really want to get like a copper IUD or anything invasive. And, you know, using a barrier method every single day is kind of like um, yeah. a little bit annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I think this is the reality for a lot of people. And that, so that was kind of my window into it. And then, you know, doing it through time and using it as a method of birth control, which by the way, also a big fan of that because, I think people are scared that it's the rhythm method and right. it, this is not, this is a validated way to do, um, to, you know, identify when you're fertile, which is a very short window of time, relatively speaking. Um, uh, it just, it opened my eyes, you know, tracking over several months to, Oh, this is when I was stressed out. Look what happened to my chart. Look how it was like all over the place, like, you know, or crossing different time zones or being sick or, you know, 
just trying seed cycling for the first time. I didn't honestly, when I started seed cycling, which I don't know if that's something your listeners would be familiar with, but just an easy food as medicine technique to help kind of regulate balance uh, hormones, very gentle and usually quite effective. I didn't notice that many changes in my symptoms, but I did notice my chart looked so much more textbook perfect. Like, you know, I just had like, yeah, I had like the perfect, you know, follicular phase, nice and even, a really clear temperature shift, which is what you're looking for to indicate ovulation. It stayed sustained nice and long right until I got my period instead of a little bit jaggedy or like right. dropping off too soon. And that made me really, you know, like, Oh, this does work. Yeah. yeah. And that made me really, it really motivated. Like we're saying, seeing things on paper mm-hmm. or an app in this case, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> really helped motivate me to stick with something that I knew was good for my body and then to make adjustments too. Yeah. So like if I'm working with someone and they happen to be charting their cycle and we try an intervention, you get feedback pretty quickly mm-hmm. about is this doing what we are hoping it's doing or is there something else we could incorporate? Right. Sorry. Is it true that um, our temperature actually goes up the day after we ovulate or it so, does we ovulate? So my understanding is that a temperature shift will happen sometime twenty between twenty four hours, like in that period. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know for sure if that's the same for everyone or if there's some variability. But um, the reason I know that, like, the reason we ha- we wait three days mm-hmm. to confirm. So you wait. You you're looking for, to, in order to confirm ovulation, you're looking for a temperature shift mm-hmm. that goes up, and usually. It's not even up that much, but when you're charting, you can see the difference very clearly because you're using pretty small increments. Um, so you're looking for a sustained temperature shift over three days. Three days okay. And so, yeah, and so that indicates, you know, your, your follicle has burst out of the corpus luteum, which is the sac that's holding it. And now what's left over becomes this gland called the corpus luteum, and that's making progesterone. And progesterone stimulates your thyroid, so that causes your basal body temperature to go up. So it's this kind of cool chain of events. The exact timing. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I know. But that's, that recently yeah. that it was it, that it was the morning after your you ovulated that the temperature actually rises. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. That's what I think, like taking charge of your fertility, which is like the Bible of um, fertility awareness method and learning how to track your cycle. I believe that's what it, yeah, it says that like that um, you kind of calculate ovulation based on the day before your temperature rises. Mm -hmm. And that's usually supposed to coincide with your peak fertile um, cervical fluid. Mm -hmm. So another good indication of ovulation. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that when I'm like on point uh, and healthy, that coincides very nicely. Um, And so that's like another kind of insight you can get. Yeah. So if someone's using this for birth control, you know, purposes, what, how many days before ovulation or, you know, would you say, okay, use another, use another method or don't have sex? Well, I think the most important thing is to say, if you're going to use it for birth control, you need to really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If it's important that you don't get pregnant. And that means, that means learning the method. And that I would say is separate from tracking health insights. Mm-hmm. So be clear about what your goal is. And if your goal is to use this as birth control, it's the studies show that getting trained by a certified, you know, a certified fertility awareness educator mm-hmm. is the most effective way um, to be, 
you know, to use the method effectively. Because like any other birth control method, there's perfect use rates, which yeah. is like, I think it's like 99.6 or something, you know, right. on par with the pill. And then there's actual use. And so for me, I will say the, the way that I got comfortable using it uh, is I just, I just wait until I I've know that I've ovulated, I've confirmed ovulation, and I don't have any unprotected sex until that point because it's very I don't I really don't want to get pregnant and you can honestly you could ovulate early at any time I I tend to ovulate very early anyway so I would never want to you know risk it and I know a lot of women practice it this way and it takes out there's so many nitpicky rules in the follicular phase about is this vertical is this cervical fluid starting to get fertile what if I miss it what if it's I don't see it on my toilet paper but it's there you know hanging out in my vagina. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, for, I think that eliminates a lot of, like, you really just have to remember, like, two rules instead of a couple rules. And That makes a lot of sense. Okay. That, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of times we just think, oh, this window, that's when we shouldn't, you know, have unprotected sex or whatever versus, like, yeah, I mean, how many women are, you know, is ovulation exactly the same every month? It's, you know not going to happen that often and so giving yourself that that extra yeah. to not yeah to not even tap into it yeah. ovulated mm-hmm. yeah. and that's just it's 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 virtually foolproof that way and you would just use a some you know a barrier method or yeah. combination of a barrier method and withdrawal and your you know in your fertile phase but you know for some for me that makes a lot of sense and i think for a lot of people it just eliminates any any possibility of error yeah you know, once that's- you've confirmed ovulation you cannot get pregnant again. You right. only release one egg. Like you're done, and yeah. you're good. And but for other women, maybe they have a really long follicular phase, and it would be a totally different story for them. In which case, these rules that are taught in natural family planning method or, or fertility awareness method, or you know, justice, there's all these different mm-hmm. rules uh, or, or systems where they have really specific rules. You you learn those, and it can be, you know, that might be work really well for other people. So yeah, absolutely. Wow. I know we went off on a tangent there. I think that's just as important of information for women to know also, um, yeah. you know, as, as just, uh, what, what lab testing is about. So thank you for, for going into that. Yeah. And I guess I should mention like a lot of these tests are not going to be really that useful if you're on hormonal birth control, just yeah. as a, you know, side note, since we're kind of on that topic. Absolutely. That's a really good thing because I don't, I don't know that, a lot of people get that, that mm-hmm. aspect. Right. Um, and even m- maybe some doctors don't know that. <laughs> so, um, and I just want to, you know, we talked about, uh, this a lot before we got on to this interview, but, you know, especially as, uh, women move into perimenopausal years, you know, some of the stuff I think becomes even sort of more important because you're having more of these symptoms, right. These health symptoms. And, you really just don't quite understand what is going on in your body. And so, um, you know, tracking for me now has meant even more than it did before this, you know? Um, and, um, I mean, obviously it's important for the birth control aspect of things, but really for understanding what's happening in my body and, um, kind of what its needs are here and there more, you know? Yeah. Really being able to tune in, like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, and and just, I could give a couple of examples of like the kind of insights you could get from just learning to chart your cycle and doing that consistently. I mean, 
um, the length of your follicular phase, which is that first half of your cycle that tells us, are you making healthy follicles? Are they growing to full maturity? Do you have, are you having adequate estrogen levels to make that happen? And, you know, um, same for the luteal phase, the, just the length, the number of days of your luteal phase. So that's from ovulation until your next period. So kind of mid cycle until the end of your cycle. Um, that gives you insights about, uh, do you have a healthy corpus luteum? Is that, is that leftover egg sac essentially making enough progesterone? Uh, and often that can be, you can just do simple nutrient interventions like mm-hmm. vitamin C, coenzyme Q10, vitamin A, all these things that we know a healthy corpus luteum needs. And you can see those changes in your, um, in the length of your luteal phase and in your temperatures, which are a reflection of your progesterone levels. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just will say for a healthy luteal phase is important for women who are looking to conceive. Um, you can't sustain a pregnancy if you have a luteal phase that's, that's too short called a luteal phase defect, but it's important for all of us because honestly, you know, those, this, this balance of hormones, this balance of estrogen and progesterone in particular is just so important for our cardiovascular health, our brain health, our bone health. So regardless of whether you ever want to conceive, I still think, um, you know, that's my other quibble with, with medicine. It's like, it doesn't matter unless you want to get pregnant. (laughs) I still think it's important to um, basically act as if, you know, you want to be as fertile as possible because biologically that just means as healthy as possible. Right, absolutely. So can you give us, um, you know, just, I guess, the range of how long the follicular phase should be and versus how long the luteal phase should be? Well, they say that, you know, this standard cycle that we're all, you know, it's ingrained in, in us uh, is a 28-day cycle. Mm-hmm. And so that day one is the first day of your bleeding, uh, so the first day of your period. Uh, and that, in this 28-day cycle. I mean, who has, I don't know that any of my clients have this perfect 28-day cycle, maybe one or two. Um, but in this, in this hypothetical cycle, that would, you know, a, a good follicular phase, you'd be ovulating kind of right in the middle uh, of the cycle around day 14. So that, that day one through 14 would be your follicular phase. You'd ovulate. And then the rest of your cycle, 14 through 28, would be luteal phase. Follicular phase, I don't think it's as crucial that the, the amount of time, I mean, it tends to shorten as you get closer to um, perimenopause uh, and menopause. But the luteal phase is a better, is, a, is I think more important that you don't want it uh, too short. If it's too long, it means you're pregnant. <laughs> so if it goes over 18 days, it's a very good indicator that you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's too short, it's, a, it's an indicator that you're not making enough progesterone. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, one little tidbit from my personal um, uh, cycle mapping uh, or um, just following my cycle the past few months is that I noticed, and it was actually just a couple months ago, I noticed that I was, you know, earlier than I had been the past month and I went back and on my app and I was like counting the days and then I went back a month before that and what I realized is one cycle will be shorter and then the next cycle will be longer and then the next cycle will be shorter. And that's like, Oh, cause the different ovaries, right? So I have one ovary that likes a shorter cycle and then one that likes, uh, and I went back like six months. Wow. Know? That's so cool. Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, you know, with everything my body's been through, it, there's lots of different things that have happened. Um, yeah. but I, I, I'm like, was it always that way? I mean, I know at one point it wasn't because I was definitely, I, you know, had the same day every month pretty much that I, my period came, but this was re- really fascinating for me. 
Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I feel like I have um, something similar where I have an every other ovulation date that kind of shifts right back and forth. I mean, I have no idea if, like, I don't think we really know if we tend to ovulate like every other, but it just kind of intuitively <laughs> makes right. sense. Right. It makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. So what app do you use to chart your cycle? Um, I really like Kendara. That's my okay. favorite. What app, what app do you use? Well, I just use the Flow Living app, mm -hmm. um, and but I just like write my temperature down in there. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always curious about. I know there's so many good apps out there, so I was curious what you used. Yeah, yeah, I like it. You can track so you can track other things and customize it like a journal, basically. Yeah. Um, and they have a nice tutorial and knowledge base. So that's usually what I suggest people do um, first. Um, and then what was I going to say? Oh yeah. We talked about that. You need a special thermometer to take your yes. temperature. So yes. That's the and other thing I usually that, Um, can, can you get those at like, at, I don't know, Rite Aid or whatever? Um, I got my, yeah, I got my first one at Walgreens and it was okay. like nine ninety nine. So there's, there's a lot of fancy devices and fancy thermometers that will like sync with your phone and all that out there. And for people just getting started and just like, just get the $10 one on the internet and $9 start with that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's so many more things I would love to ask you, but we're definitely um, coming up here on time. So um, do you want to just tell us, like, if you have anything that's, you know, coming up or how people can actually contact you to work with you now that they have heard how amazing you are <laughs> and all of your knowledge that just blows my mind. So you want to tell people about that? Oh, I feel like I just was like, whew. <laughs> Hopefully it was digestible. <laughs> Um, this has been really fun. Thank you. Um, so people can find me on my website, which is just robinrandc.com. Uh, so that's probably the best way to reach me. You can email me. You can find me on social media. My Instagram um, handle is at robinrandc. Um, so those two places are probably the best way to contact me. In terms of things coming up, I... Um, I'm working on a group program, like an online course where people can learn to chart their cycles together. So all this awesome stuff we've been talking about and whether you want to use it for health insights uh, to conceive or for birth control purposes, it will be useful to you. So, um, oh, I'm so glad wanna... that. that's awesome. yeah, I mean, gosh, I've been talking about it for like three years, <laughs> three years at least. <laughs> like... The time is right. <laughs> yeah, so if people are interested in that, um, I would steer them towards, uh, you know, reaching out to me or they can download um, my uh, quick start guide to charting your cycle. And that will put them kind of in the pipeline to be notified when the course is ready. Of course, if you're not interested in the course, you can still download the freebie, um, this PDF document uh, and get started charting your cycle. But it's basically everything I wish I had had in one spot when I started, um, you know, just give me the down and dirty. How do I get started? What that, you know, what thermometer should I buy? Okay, go <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. And that's something that we'll, we'll have in, in the notes for people to be able to access that freebie from, um, you know, from watching this and being part of the hormone summit. So thank you for letting everyone, you know, have access to that. That's such an amazing, incredible tool. So I'm excited to get it. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure thank you so much for putting this summit together i think people are going to get so much benefit out of it and um you just i just love your energy and your presence and i think everyone else will too oh thank you and don't forget you guys you can work with robin one-on-one -on -one. um i can imagine that 
she changes lives <laughs> with every person that she works with because um, she just understands all of this stuff so well. So don't be afraid to go to her website and check things out. So thanks again for being with me here today. Um, and I will see all of you guys in the next interview. We've got a lot more awesome, awesome hormonal experts on tap. So be sure to check your email tomorrow for the next interview. See you guys later.